You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. If you're a UND fan but don't have Midco Cable, you can still stay in the game with Midco Sports Plus, our official streaming app. Watch Fighting Hawks games live or catch recent contests on demand, along with instant access to original programs like Day by Day and North Dakota Hockey Central. Get signed up today at midcoastsportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast. We are taping this on a beautiful Tuesday morning, September 21st, 10 o'clock. Alex Siner, Build Shapes. Man, falls here. Has that fall-like feel to it between a home football game this weekend and the leaves starting to turn and the temps dropping a little bit, but still very comfortable. It's just a it's a we talked about it last pod. It's one of the best times of year, and that has continued into late September, Bill. Yeah, it's been gorgeous. Uh, we're heading towards 100, pod number 100, right? I'm not not sure where we are right now, but I know we're in the high 90s, so we're heading. 96, 96 today. I gotcha. So close. It, it is getting close. I don't know what we do with that 100th one. We'll have to think about it. So, The centennial episode is going to be a good one. That will not be missed. Do not miss number 100. Whatever it is. It's going to be great. That's exactly right. But you're right, Alex. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, given um, with school start, starting uh, about three weeks ago and then having your first home football game and really having all the connectivity on campus, it's it's just awesome. It really is. And I know that the crowd was great at the Alaris Center and uh, and certainly the tailgating and uh, I think it was you know, 75 degrees outside and sunny. It just, you know, it's, it's a... Uh, it's exactly what college football and I'll call it the college experience seems like, uh, you know, it, 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 you want it to be for, for students, uh, faculty, staff, community, fans, alums, everyone. Yeah, I checked a lot of boxes this weekend. That's for sure. We're going to get to football, volleyball, women's soccer, cross country, a lot of stuff to kind of talk through this particular pod. First, though, before we started, I asked Bill how he was doing today. And he said, I'm doing better. And I said, why? And he said, well, I'll tell you about it on the pod. So we've reached that point. Bill, why are you feeling so good today? Give us give us the rundown. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, in the world that we are COVID, and we've been for about 18 months or so, or heading towards now two years, um, you know, you have to make choices and decisions. And so Saturday, which was a beautiful day, um, for most, uh, for some, they woke up as if they got run over by a train. And, um, I think in prior years, um, you forge on and you, you just go and do your thing. And, uh, let's just say around one thirty, I said to my wife, Liz, how do I look? And she goes awful. And so, um, you know, I, I'd say that probably was enough for me at that point to say, probably not a good thing to go spread, uh, anything that I may have, which I didn't know at that point in time. And so, uh, I listened to Alex Einer on Saturday, um, in bed, uh, kind of not feeling great. How about that? And so, uh, um, but that's the choices you have to make. You know, we're, we're at a point where that's what exactly what I say to our student athletes and our coaches. And if you're not feeling it, you've got to stay back because you do not 
want to infect anybody else. Now, fast forward, Sunday felt a little bit better. Yesterday woke up and tested right away, negative, which is great. And so uh, feeling, feeling much better, but um, that's why you have an awesome staff. And, uh, you know, and when folks always say, you know, from an administration standpoint, you know, what, what do you all do? Um, well, we probably play the game out well in advance of the game. And so you make sure and try to put things in, in, in place so that when you get to the game, the only thing you really care about is whether or not both teams have showed up and the officials have showed up. And at the end of the day, everybody else, to some degree, is pretty expendable. And uh, I, 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 I understand that loud and clear, but uh, sadly, sadly, I did not witness uh, that football game in the Alaris Center live and in person. Well, I think, first off, glad you're feeling better and glad it was a negative test. Um, that's good. I, <laughs> I was under the impression of thinking you were feeling better because you had gotten some good news about some kind of thing that's happening in athletics. I didn't think it was just you literally felt better. <laughs> well, I'm so thankful that you, you look much better today. I would not say, Bill looks great. So we've, we've come a long way, I guess, since your wife's assessment. When you first started that story, by the way, in the back of my mind, I was like, Spurs played Sunday, Bill. What are you talking about? That wasn't Saturday morning that you got run over by a truck, 3 nothing. But that's, we'll get to that on the B side. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm very glad that we could have the game on television for you. You could just sit at home and relax and heal up a little bit. And then, yeah, watch a pretty comprehensive 38 nothing North Dakota victory to kick off the home portion of the season. Thanks for thanks for being smart and uh, and staying home. Yeah, it's not uh, not something I think that's ever happened to me in my career. Uh, certainly in that scenario, uh, I, you know, I, certainly you can miss a game here or there based on other professional obligations. But personally, I, I've been fortunate, knock on wood. Um, I've never, uh, you know, really been one to be too sick, you know, but that day, that was just a bad 24 hours. And, uh, you know, talking to Jess Doty, who handles uh, student health care on campus, there's just a lot of things going around campus uh, outside of COVID. And so, uh, you know, who knows? And again, still, you do get other uh, other things can still happen to you. Right. Uh, you know, during this time frame. But but you get it. It's weird. That's all I'll tell you. It, it's very, very odd. And um, you just have to make the right choices at that point. And I didn't want to put anybody in harm's way. So I sadly uh, uh, I, I was out of commission for that 24 hours. I'll tell you that much. Um, although I, you know, fortunately uh, spent uh the, the day before uh, in the dedication of the Pollard, uh, Pollard Center uh, with Fritz III and uh, Meredith, their daughter. And that was just awesome. And so, uh, you know, that worked out well. But just one of those weird things, Alex, we've all had it happen to us. But, you know, sometimes you just have to make, uh, obviously, the right decisions at the right time. Yeah. Airing on the side of caution is is the way to go. That's I had the same thing this past basketball season. Just woke up on the day of a game and had a fever and felt awful. And you you just you just don't want to put the people who you care about or the people you're going to be around at risk when you just don't know with, with something like this. So good for you for making that choice. How did we sound, by the way? How'd the broadcast look? It was great. <laughs> it was great. Too much. Yeah, no, you, you, you all do a great job. Um, and uh, I, I thought that obviously the Alaris center staff uh, kudos to Anna and, and her, her staff for turning around a venue. Uh, we knew that, you know, both, you know, this past week uh, um, with the concert on Friday night and then, uh, and then heading towards our next home game, uh, 
knowing that it's two hours earlier, um, I think the thought process was, could they, um, could they do this thing as if it's a two o'clock start as opposed to a four o'clock start? And they were all over it. And, uh, you know, between our staff and her staff, uh, you know, getting uh, it going at uh, early in the morning on Saturday, I think all went uh fairly well. And, you know, and kudos to our, our fans too. I, I know this has been a, uh, a, a somewhat difficult transition into the digital ticketing world. And uh, I can tell you this uh, between Heather Reardon, uh, you know, our ticket manager and, and Val Sussex who oversees our champions club and Kyle Doporowski's crew. Um, I, you know, I think we got the message out but, but at the end of the day, it's almost like a head coach or a coach. People still have to execute the message. And, uh, and I think things went very, very well on Saturday. Uh, a couple hiccups here and there, but uh, certainly went uh, extremely well. And, and truly, once you do it once, you're probably going to get used to it, so to speak. And then I think the benefits can really pay off for sure. We spoke with a lot of the members of the UND football team yesterday on Monday for interviews for Day by Day, which comes out later today. You're listening to this. It's already out. Go check it out on UND football Twitter, on Midcoast Sports social media channels. But all the guys mentioned from, from the previous week how excited they were to have the Hawk Walk back and to have the tailgate alley back and all those things. And then the guys we spoke with yesterday, same story. They were so glad to have that experience back because a lot of, a lot of this in the spring – you know, was different and it was a little more separate from the normal. And they didn't have that in 2020 in the fall. And so, like you said, talking to a guy like Luke Skokna, who was a true freshman, the last time that would have experience would have happened. He only got to experience it a handful of times in the fall of 2019. And you've had to wait two years to really interact with the fans again like that. You could see how much it meant to them. And in the moment, it was great. After the fact, too, seeing them reflect, really special. Just a part of a great day, really, on Saturday for UND football and UND athletics. Yeah, no doubt, Alex. And, uh, you know, kind of gets you back to feeling um, a level of pre-pandemic normalcy. Uh, but I think we're you know, always going to be living with this virus, as we've said over and over again, it's just how you manage it moving forward. And uh, like I said, you know, all the way back, not to make this about me, but I probably might have made a different decision, you know, if it were 2019. And, um, you know, I, I, we're all replaceable. Um, We're not, uh, you know, indispensable. And at the end of the day, um, you got to make the right choices at the right time. Well said. Yeah, well said. Um, the game itself, North Dakota looked pretty good at times. Obviously, turnovers were, you know, a, a, an issue there. But um, the fact that you come away with a thirty-eight nothing shutout, you close out non-conference play two and one. You win your twelfth straight game at home. Like a lot of big boxes checked for this team now as they move into an open week. What did you make of the performance against the Bulldogs on Saturday? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think what Coach Schweiger has said post game is is spot on. I, I really don't have much to add to what he said. You know, um, you know, if you want to be a good team, um, you're going to have performances like that. If you want to be a great team, you're probably going to need to clean up. You know, some of the things that occurred. Uh, but you know, I, I like the expectation of. I would say of, of some that, you know, were in a sense, I'll call it disappointed with a 38, nothing victory. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's things that as a team, you know, we've got to continue to evolve 
and figure out, you know, what's our apex with this group. And, uh, you know, just because whatever we did in the spring, that this is a different team. And, um, you know, uh, some teams, you know, gel at different times and, uh, you know, we got things to work on for sure, but, uh, much better to work on them off a 38, nothing win. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, Bill, I've seen Bill, Bill, I've seen you at games, obviously on the sideline, you know, watching the team, you know, and you're a stoic spectator. I mean, you clap and there's, you know, but you're not, you're, you're, you're there in, in a professional capacity and you need to have that face. And I think you do a very good job of that when you're sitting in your bed at home or on the couch <laughs> watching the game this past weekend, what was the, what, what is Bill Shaves the fan like when you're behind closed doors and you're watching a game like that on a team that you really care about? Yeah, good question. Um, I can tell you Saturday with the constant headache, um, I, 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 it wasn't great. I was, uh, I was, how about this? I was more into the audio Alex Heiner than I was uh, video Alex Heiner. I just, uh, so there was that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think I've seen so many games in my life and uh, I, I used to be very, very emotional watching games and uh, somewhere along the line, um, you know, you just, you've seen too many games where, you know, if it's football, it's a 60 minute game, right? Hockey, 60 minute game. I just, there's ebbs and flows. And uh, I, I think you have an idea at times when it's incredibly important when like you score a goal, so to speak. Right. Or, I mean, you just know that that it's going to be a tight game or whatever. And so I think you can kind of get excited in, in certain instances, but I've, um, yeah, I stay pretty well between the 45s when I'm watching at this point, I, I just, um, I just know as good as it can be, it's never as good. It's never as bad. It's always somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, even up 21, seven in Logan, I, I, I kind of knew that at that point, you know, Utah state was going to make their run and could we respond? And, uh, so, you know, it's exciting when you get off to good starts. Um, but not many times do you just roll, you know, at that point in time. So you just know the other team has prepared for you too. You respect the other team, you know, things are going to happen. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think when you finally get to a place where maybe you have a shot to win a championship or those, those types of things, maybe you, the emotion comes out a little bit more at that stage. You know, I thought you mentioned being sort of, um, yeah, a little more level-headed when it comes to these things, you know, now when, as opposed to maybe when you were younger, I always think I'm in that place too, you know, of like, yeah, I've seen a lot of, a lot of, a lot of games and it doesn't quite mean as much. And then, you know, last week's game against Utah state, I found myself on the, you know, watching on the couch instead of being on the sidelines. And, uh, I got a lot more excited than, than I expected when things are going well. And then a little more down when things weren't, it's just funny how that's uh, you just never know sometimes when the emotion catches you in those moments. Well, you know, it's interesting. And so like in football, you can say, you know, any sport, but football specifically, there are games too. you know, you could have dominated for 50 minutes, five Oh, um, there's 10 minutes left, maybe seven minutes left. You can count how many possessions are probably left and you can almost know that you've probably got this one as long as you don't give them anything. And, and then, you know, I've seen games where you've done everything right for like, like even 55 minutes and the last five minutes, exactly everything goes wrong. 
and or, or everything goes right for the other team. And so I don't know. I just always have kind of waited to zero 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 and just know that you know, or the last, you know, pitch or the last out and, you know, whatever it might be. I just, I guess I've really trained myself in that regard. And, uh, you know, do I, underneath, do I say, yeah, Hey, great, good deal. You know, teams rolling today. Awesome. But, uh, you know, I just know that the other team is trying to figure it out as well. A modicum of stoicism. Cool as a cucumber, Phil Chase. Uh, Ice water in his veins. I don't know about that. I, I I just know this. There's nothing I can do to affect the outcome. This is this is true. Yeah, that's a good point. In the moment, I, there's nothing I can do to affect the outcome. So, I mean, I, I mean, you, I, I mean, I always joke at times just to lighten the mood to some degree. You know, I'll walk by Danny Freud and say, "Hey, if you need me to draw something up, let me know." You know, I mean, just uh, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, we have great coaches. That's what they're there to do, and they know a lot more about their team and as far as what's happening and the pulse of the team, uh, as far as what's transpiring in that moment. And so, you know what? All you do is tr- try to figure out how to support them. UND gets the 38 nothing victory. Again, good good performance outside of the turnovers. Over 500 yards on the uh, on the day in total offense. Their first shutout since 2017. Again, 2-1 and one now on the season. Open week this week. Fairly big game coming up on October the 2nd. Uh, North Dakota State is undefeated, number 5 in the country. Coming up north for the first time since 2003 to play number 10, North Dakota. So another back-to-back years with these two facing off against each other as top 10 opponents. It's going to be a great scene in the Alaris Center come 2 o'clock on Saturday, October 2nd, right, Phil? Yeah, first first time since 2003, as you said. And, yeah, I, uh, I'd say it could be bigger a couple different ways. It, you know, let's just say if it was the last uh, game of the year and maybe the conference title was on the line or maybe it was a playoff game, something to that effect. But to start your conference season off, um, you know, it, it's certainly not just another opponent that I, you know, obviously, um, you know, you've got your rival coming in, but to get off on a, on a great uh, start for conference season and it being a home game, you know, you're trying to protect uh, home turf. And so uh, you know, our guys will be excited about it and uh, they've got the week off as well. So, uh, um, you know, both teams will be coming in uh, under the, the same, you know, situation. So, uh, so it should be a very, very interesting game. And I know our guys will be uh, excited for it. Yeah, one to look forward to. Again, get out, support that team. As you mentioned, there will be a big concert the night before in the Alaris Center. There were 22,000 people in the Alaris for the Luke Combs concert. If you've not seen, you talked about the Alaris Center staff and the UND staff getting the field ready. Go on social media, go on the YouTube uh, channel of the Alara Center or their Twitter feed. They have the time-lapse video of what it took to change that over. And it's just crazy to see the stage going down, the field going up. They will have that task again come October the 1st into October the 2nd. For to, again, talk about a big week. And then it's Hockey Weekend as well. You couldn't ask for a bigger two days, really, with what Eric Church coming to town and then UND, NDSU football, and then the North Dakota hockey season and a banner going up for their conference championship. A uh, pretty big couple days on the way in two weeks' time. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I, I want to recognize as well our uh, you know our city uh, workers, city city staff. I know that they uh, put in some time as well to to assist uh, with the uh, Alara Center uh, on Friday night as well, heading into Saturday morning, and probably will do so again in a couple of weeks. And um, with our relationship with the Alara Center, with the city, with Spectra, the new turf 
for a variety of reasons was needed. You know, it was at the end of life and all of that rot, but it made these situations possible where you could actually, uh, you know, do something like this as opposed to rolling one out and rolling it back and those types of things. I, you know, so, so actually to be able to put the armor down on the turf and then get it back up and then uh, getting ready for, um, you know, a game on, on the field the next day uh, wouldn't have been a possibility. So it's, it's really provided an opportunity for us as a community to, to have these types of things occur. So it's exciting. Um, and not to mention, I, I think the turf is awesome too. I've heard nothing but uh, rave reviews from, uh, from our team. So uh, that's worked out well as well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it looks, it looks great by the way. And it obviously very functional. And uh, serves the purpose, and it's going to make for hopefully it's a it's a turf that they've never lost on, and we hope that trend continues here in two weeks as they take on North Dakota State. Pre-game coverage, by the way, if you can't make it out in person, and we would expect it to be a packed Alaris Center. I'm sure tickets are, if if they are not sold out all the way, there probably aren't very many left. If you can't get to the game, we'll have a pre-game show at 1.30 that day on Midcoast Sports or Midcoast Sports Plus, and then kick off at two. All part of a busy day of UND athletics across Grand Forks and on our network. Flipping the page from football over to some other fall sports that were busy this past week. The volleyball team had their last non-conference tests of the season out in Peoria, Illinois. A couple of tough games, all tight, even though they didn't win a set out there, but losing to Bradley, St. Louis, and Northern Colorado. They pushed each of those teams at least at different times. And as Jeremiah Tiffin and the team gets ready to head into conference play now this week at home, even though the wins have not necessarily come, they've at least seemed to have built a little bit of momentum in terms of different players getting opportunity as they get ready to start against Oral Roberts and Kansas City come this Thursday and Saturday, Bill. Yeah, tough non-conference uh, go at it for uh, for volleyball. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, starting with the conference at 0-0, zero and zero, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's kind of a, a new start for the team. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, some of the things that, um, you know, w- we encountered in, in the non-conference will help us for the conference uh but starting at home uh knock on wood hopefully we can get off to a good start and uh uh and and go from there i know it's not the uh it's not something that uh, this start wasn't envisioned by by coach tiffin at this point in time but uh but it's the, it's kind of the journey of the season so uh, we just gotta uh, kind of forge on yeah and that's that's well said uh again a great opportunity to come out north dakota did have some Success against Oral Roberts in the spring, at least, won a couple of matches against the Golden Eagles. Great chance to come out and support this team and try and get them on the right foot. Because as you said, even though they're only 1-11 right now, it's a new season. And the non-conference essentially is in the past and does not really matter. And what you do now, moving forward, is what will resonate is you have a chance to push for a conference tournament spot or a potential spot in the NCAA tournament if things go well. It all starts now for this team as they move forward into conference play. That's exactly right. Uh, another team that was on the road this past week from a North Dakota perspective that didn't quite have the final result but played pretty well was women's soccer, who was out west to take on Oregon State and to take on Portland. Oregon State's a ranked team. Portland's always really good. North Dakota pushed the Beavers all the way to the limit. That was a 3-2 game in the end after 90 minutes. And then Portland, same story, a scoreless game at the half. And then Coach Logan just mentioned kind of things just flipped late in that game and they end up losing 3-0. Obviously difficult to give up three goals in both games and to lose each. But again, some bright spots for this young team as they try and push towards conference season, which is going to start in two weeks. Well, actually, yeah, in two weeks on October the 1st after one more trip to Tennessee to take on Austin P this next week. Yeah, I, I don't think... 
it's uh, outlandish to say that, you know, we won't see uh, kind of a two programs like that, you know, within 48 hours of each other uh, heading into conference play. So certainly gives us that um, experience for sure, especially with so many freshmen that uh, were starting at, at this point in time. Um, yeah. The, the result, uh, the, uh, the, the, the game uh, in, uh, uh, Corvallis, I thought we played very, very well. And then uh, you're right. Um, sometimes, you know, it can be a zero, zero game for a long while. And then, uh, you know, there's a breakthrough and then ultimately uh, you see a couple more potentially uh, go in for a variety of reasons, right? I mean, you might have, ch- you start playing a little differently. You might start uh, trying to figure out chances yourself. So anyways, um, yeah, I think uh, probably a good trip for a young team and, uh, and, end up going to uh, Tennessee to Austin P this week and uh, see, see what we can do there before uh, that team starts their journey into the uh, summit league. Yeah. Speaking of that weekend of October 1st, 2nd, 3rd women's soccer home as well. So Kansas city on that Friday uh, comes to town at Bronson field at three o'clock and then Oral Roberts on Sunday. So a lot, a lot of ruse and golden Eagles coming up North, the soccer teams and the volleyball teams here in Grand Forks in the next two weeks. But again, a great chance to go out and support this team at a fun venue to go watch a soccer match. Some big news on the coaching side of things for one of our other fall sports cross country has now a, well, I should say, Cross country and track and field now has a new director. Jim Varenkamp was named to that position last week. Great resume. Guy from South Dakota that was a successful athlete at the University of South Dakota. Has had a ton of success at Queens, a D2 school out east. Now he's coming back to the Midwest and is set to lead the program. We had Kyle Doporowski on a couple of weeks ago to chat about the search and how this has been going. Kyle has done a phenomenal job as the interim director of that program. I think he was two for two winning meets. And so it's not too bad. It's a pretty good record going out on top, uh, having a ton of success early in the cross-country season. But now it's Jim Varenkamp's jet task to continue to move this team forward as we get ready for the you know, the, the stretch run here in the cross country season. Yeah, Alex, uh, you know, and again, we, we mentioned this, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we had Kyle on, certainly that the timing was not ideal, uh, for sure. But, um, our student athletes have, have done, you know, awesome at this point, especially our distance folks, um, uh, under Kyle's leadership and, uh, kudos to Kyle, uh, to keeping that, um, program moving, uh, and quite successfully. And so, uh, so Jim, uh, coming from Queens University uh, from Carolina, North Carolina, not Queens College in New York. So uh, just, nope, just a different one. But you're right. I, I think there was a lot of, um, I'll call it similarities in when he took over Queens University and then what he's been able to do for the last seven, eight, nine years as the, uh, as the director of that program and uh, really excited uh, for his leadership coming, uh, coming back home to the uh, upper Midwest. And, uh, you know, I think he'll do uh, a tremendous job leading the program and um, excited for what he uh, is going to bring to the table. I know he's been uh, very uh, externally focused as well with uh, uh, his alums uh, at Queens. And uh, I know that's something that our uh, track and field alums will uh, really appreciate here at UND. So uh, Jim is, uh, Jim is going to be here. Uh, We are recording on a Tuesday. I think maybe a week from today, I think he's going to finally land in Grand Fork. So it's obviously, you know, uh, tough, tough transitions for, for everyone at this point in time. But uh, but we're excited about uh, getting him here um, when he was announced. Uh, 
that on that Thursday, he was actually leaving on that Saturday to officiate his brother's wedding in Greece. So that had, that had already been uh, pre-planned. And so uh, knowing that that was out there, you know, we had sort of a, I'll call it an end line deadline that we would love to have get done before he stepped on a plane. And so uh, it just, uh, those are kind of the behind the scenes curtain things that happen and you're just trying to work it through and uh, it, it all worked out and kudos to Chad Karthauser, who is our CFO oversees uh, HR for athletics, but then doesn't oversee HR for the university. It works with HR. And then of course you have to dot I's cross T's certainly being a state agency and doing all the right things you need to do. So it worked out great. Thank you to everybody that made it possible. And we look forward to Jim uh, popping on the scene here in Grand Forks. Nice. Good for Jim getting off to uh, the Mediterranean Sea before he comes up north for the winter. <laughs> what? Um, not a bad place to go get married in terms of a destination wedding. That I'm sure Jim's very thankful that his brother chose that spot. Out of curiosity, Bill, where did you and your wife get married? That's yeah, a good, good question. Uh, we are both from the same town in Connecticut. So... Uh, town by the, uh, by the name of Enfield, Connecticut, which is right up, if you've ever been on Interstate 91, uh, between Hartford and Springfield, the last town uh, on the Connecticut border is our town. And so that's where we went to the same church. And so uh, we, got, uh, we got married by a priest that had been there a long, long time. And uh, so Father Kerwin, yes, rest in peace, Father. But, uh, but yes, he uh, married us uh, some 27 years ago. That's awesome. Well, good, good memories. It might not be Greece, but there's nothing against Enfield, Connecticut. It's a beautiful place, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean. Congratulations on 27 years together. Greece, Enfield, you know, it's, uh, it's all good. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We were, at, we were in uh, Logan, Utah during our 27th anniversary. So there you go. So, uh, nice. you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's been great. And uh, Liz is awesome. So uh, she's been through this whole journey. And as I like to say uh, to my one athletic child, we know who the best athlete in the family is. And it's not you and it's not me. So, so there's that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fun that you were a September wedding, by the way. My wife and I are five days away from our our um, sixth wedding anniversary. So we're, we're right right behind you, right on your tail. Just 21 years to go and we'll have caught the chaves. That's right. That's right. We also, by the way, did not get married in Greece, if, if you're curious. So, <laughs> if you're scoring um, at home, right? If you're scoring at home, 0 for 2 on the Greece weddings in this podcast. When Jim gets back, his cross-country team will have just gotten off of, hopefully, a successful weekend this weekend at the Roy Griak Invitational in St. Paul. A big, prestigious invite. A lot of big-time programs across the country come to that one. It's That's one of the highlights for any cross-country season in the upper Midwest. So a great chance for our, our guys and girls that have done phenomenal in their first two meets of the year, both in Grand Forks and in Brookings, to continue on that success. And then the, the next meet will be in, in College Station. And then it's the Summit League Championships. So it's St. Paul, Texas, and then the Summit League Championships down in Tulsa coming up at the end of October, the way that the schedule works out about two weeks in between each of those meets. So best of luck to Jim, and congrats again on the hire. Speaking of Summit League stuff, you had Summit League meetings recently. What was the big talking points from the Summit League? As you probably welcome in, you welcome in a new member. Would have been maybe the first official meeting with St. Thomas now, fully in the fold and and involved in competitions bill yeah, i think i think two things uh was uh, that kind of ruled the day if you will um kind of a reset 
I, I, that's really what the meeting was. Um, we had scheduled it and uh, maybe back, I want to say about two months ago that we said it was time for us to just get together face to face if we could um, just because we do have new people in new seats. Now, when that, when we decided to do that, we did not realize that um, commissioner Dupel would be retiring. And so it actually worked out um, well that we were able to kind of just sit as S, uh, SWAs and athletic directors, senior women's administrators and athletic directors, just to kind of hit, hit reset on a few things. Uh, you know, there were some COVID policy things that we needed to discuss. Um, you know, how does it evolve from last year to this year? Well, you know, some of the things that uh, some of the other conferences have discussed, you know, what does it look like if you can't play? And, you know, I, we went down the path, same path is if you can't play and you tap out because of uh, COVID this year, that's going to go as a loss as opposed to a no contest. And so, so those are some of the things we had to discuss, but it became more philosophical, I think, moving forward, Alex. And, and again, making sure that we're all on the same page so that the folks that are on the search committee, and so each each school is represented on the search committee. For us, it's Dr. Armacost. So it was either going to be a faculty athletic rep, an AD, an SWA, or a president. And, uh, and then there's uh, a student rep also from the University of South Dakota. And so, so everyone was going to be represented. But I do think we wanted to talk through, I think, some of the things that were important to the others that were not on the search committee so that those folks that were on it could bring it forward to, to that group. Of course, the presidents are going to make the decision, obviously. Um, but I think it's imperative and important when you go through a critical hire like this, you at least get as much information as possible from the entire league. And I thought Mindy K. Larson, our interim commissioner at this point in time, did a really good job of bringing everyone together and discussing uh, the facts, uh, facts of the day, if you will. Yeah, Tom Duple's done a phenomenal job transforming this conference from the old Mid-Continent Conference, which was kind of based almost in the Great Lakes area, basically, and now has kind of shifted that west, and it's been reborn as the summit, and it's now one of the leading mid-major conferences in the country. And kudos to him on a phenomenal career of help. And this is obviously just a portion of his long tenure of doing a lot of things in athletics, but... Best of luck to him in retirement and, and job well done. I think. Yeah, so he's, everybody associated with these schools. He's got a lot to be proud of, um, and he's uh, certainly a, a legacy uh, of certainly growing a conference, as you've uh, indicated, um, to one that is uh, um, really in. I'll call it in our lane. I think we do a pretty good job, and I think the the future's bright. Uh, he's left it in a great place. Um, if uh, whomever comes in as the next commissioner, I, I think the cupboard is, is pretty full. And now it's it's what's next because knowing what's happening in the governance of of intercollegiate athletics, I do believe there's going to be a lot more heaped upon conferences uh, to do the day to day. And um, so, you know, I, I, we've got a tall order here, not only to fill Tom's shoes, but to get the right person at the right time to be that person for us to, to go into the future. Yeah, exciting times for the league and a big choice, a big choice to make as you decide. Do you have any sense on what the timetable will be of when you'd like to have someone hired into that position? Yeah, so the, the league, um, you, you see this quite often. Um, hired a search firm 
And so Parker search firm, who's done a lot of these types of searches, there's about five or six firms out there that I'll call it specialized in intercollegiate athletic searches. Uh, Parker's done a number of commissioner searches recently. They did America East. They actually are doing uh, um, the wax commissionership as well. And so they're, they're dialed, I think into, I'll call it who's in the marketplace right now. Um, and so I, we'd like I think if you were to say to me, how would this work? I think maybe an offer out there by, let's just call it between Halloween and Thanksgiving, so that maybe you can get someone starting after the first of the year. That would be the thought. I think that would be really good for the person coming in. Because as you're, then you can really kind of take notes on some things and you're heading towards Sioux Falls for the, I'll call it your, certainly your premier event as far as from a financial and revenue standpoint for the, for the conference as you head to Sioux Falls for the basketball tournament. And so I think that's a good timetable, but I I think you got to get the right person and depending on how that works, you know, you just never know how it's all going to play itself out until you finally get there. You never know, but I think that's probably the time timetable at this point. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Right person, right time, right. That's, those are, those are the things you're looking for. So we'll be watching as that search continues to evolve over the next couple of weeks and a couple of months. But again, congrats again to Tom Duple on a great career and best of luck to him in retirement. Anything else on your agenda, Bill, from a UND or NCAA perspective you want to touch on this week? No, I think, I think uh, you know, always interesting when you're in uh, a bye week for football. It, it sometimes feels like you're off like a month, you know. Um, <laughs> it, it's weird, you know, how the, that, that two weeks can feel so long. But I know our guys are excited. And, you know, sometimes I think if you look at the schedule, you start saying to yourself, ah, when do you want the bye week? Well, the bye week's going to be the bye week. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you work around it and it always comes at a good time. But given that we all we played in the spring, same with the buys and playing in the spring, maybe an early bye week is probably pretty good right now. It kind of gives you a, a chance to kind of settle back in to the football season, which just kind of felt like occurred not so many months ago. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think timing wise, and this is what the guys had said to us too yesterday in those conversations. They feel like three weeks in, it separates non-conference from conference. You have a chance, like you said, to reset, get some guys healthy a little bit. They have a lot of niggling injuries, a couple of major ones where guys are going to miss the rest of the season or are out for a significant amount of time. But the majority, guys are just a little banged up after a couple of weeks of action. And so to have a chance to reset, heal up, and then get ready for this big game against North Dakota State on October 2nd, it comes at a, a pretty good time for this squad as they get ready to start their defense of their Missouri Valley Football Conference Championship. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we're excited about it. Um, So if we flip to the B side, there's some good things happening in baseball, some not so good things happening on the pitch. Yeah. What a flip Uh, Two weeks. It's amazing how in two weeks Spurs were perfect, perfect on the season, flying high top of the table. We were concerned about the Boston Red Sox and their place potentially in the postseason. They had there was a chase pack, and there still certainly is in their fight for the last two wildcard spots, or the only two wildcard spots, I suppose. But they've really turned it around. Five straight wins for the Sox, seven and three in their last ten. They're now in the top wildcard spot, a game and a half up on Toronto. They play the Mets now, which is ironic because I think Jimmy Kimmel's documentary, the 30 for 30 on the New York Mets and the 86 team in the World Series, that's debuting, I think, this week. So there's a lot going on there, but... um, 
what what have you seen that's allowed other than the fact they've played the Orioles a lot? What has allowed this Red Sox team to have this late resurgence with about eleven games to go? Yeah, I get they're getting players back from the COVID list. That probably has helped their lineup. You know, looks a lot deeper and better. Um, they really found a way to just hang in there. Uh, uh, you know, and and a couple other teams have. Uh, weirdly gotten cold like the yankees went from 13 straight to i i what is happening there and so that they, they've had a weird year haven't they well they were awful right they were awful at the start of the season like looks looked like a team that was going to be miles away from contending then couldn't lose and looked like a team that would compete and maybe be you know yankees dodgers world series here we go and now they've they've fallen apart again i don't know i I think their manager, no offense to Aaron Boone, but I think their manager, you talk about you being all the ways between the 45s. Aaron Boone is not between the 45s. Aaron Boone goes from from end zone to end zone. It seems like there's a lot of peaks and valleys with that man. And I wonder if that's maybe a small reflection of how this team behaves, acts, performs because their manager is so volatile. I don't know. That's just the the thought. It could be that they're just not pitching very well. That could also be part of the problem, but... It's 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 not the worst thing. They're out of the if the if the season ended today, they would not be playing in the postseason. It'd be the it'd be the Blue Jays and the Red Sox moving on. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things I think with the Red Sox is uh, Sale and Evaldi have been pretty good um, at the top of the rotation, and so I, that gives you a little bit of hope. Um, they still got to play better defense, Alex. Their they've their defense has not been good this year. Um, now, having said that, with Hernandez and center and. Uh, and Verdugo and Renfro, when that those guys are out there, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So it gives you a chance. Um, and the other guy that, you know, I, 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 I've been awful to him is Bobby Dahlbeck. He's been better. He's been better. And, you know, if you look at his body of work this year for a, a player in his first full season, he's right up there with a lot of, um, let's just say, players that have had very good careers. And so, you know, um, yeah, they've, 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 they've done okay. They've somehow weathered that storm uh, about three weeks ago where it looked like they were teetering on the brink. And, uh, you know, they were lucky. Um, that Oakland um, found, you know, they, they fell off the map a little bit too when they lost their best pitcher. Um, that that wasn't great for them. And then Seattle was kind of making a little run. And you got to give the Red Sox credit going out to Seattle, winning two out of three. I mean, I know, I, I know that that again, beating the Orioles is and Bubba Schweigert's not going to enjoy this, but um, the, the Orioles have been had a tough year this year, so. Um, I think they've got a hundred plus losses. And so, uh, and they, they just, they're not great. And so uh, it'd be awesome to continue to play them if we could, but uh, yeah, the winning to those last two in Seattle, boy, that, that showed me something. So we'll see, you know, I am, uh, I'm still thinking the blue Jays are, you know, scary is all get out, but uh, they are young. And, um, you know, I thought that they'd be still rolling a little bit more too. So I don't know. There's still two weeks left, Alex. It's, uh, yeah, they got to find a way to just keep winning games. That That's the one way where, you know, you're going to get in right at this point, just, yeah, just win just games, win. just win, baby. They have five in a row at home against the two New York teams. They get two against the Mets, three against the Yankees. And then they will go to the Maryland area to take on the O's and the Nationals to close out the season. So this would be, you got to win that Yankees series and 
sweep the O's and you'll be in pretty good shape. If you can if you can do that and pick up a couple other wins, you think they'll be they'll be in the postseason. But we will see. We'll be watching. Bobby Dahlbeck, by the way, fourth on the team in RBI this season. Not too bad. Only behind JD, Bogarts, and Devers. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I I um give him a lot of credit. He's hung in there and uh, he's had a nice second half of the season. Truly since the trade deadline, he's really, uh, he's really hit well. So I give him a lot of credit. On the flip side, Tottenham Hotspur. Now Bill, by the way, Bill sends me an email last week before the, I think maybe Thursday, Friday says, good luck Crystal Palace this weekend who Liverpool were playing and whom, whom we quickly dispatched 3 nothing, And then, of course, Spurs then go out the next day and proceed to lose 3 nothing as well to Chelsea. A little, uh, yeah, little, little just desserts there, Bill. Not a great performance. I believe Nuno, Nuno's exact words were, we have work to do following the defeat to the Blues. Thoughts on the current state of the Lily Whites of North London, Bill? Well, all can be better if you beat Arsenal this week. Mm. Mm. or it can go the other way and all of a sudden you lose and you're going to be behind arsenal and it took three short matches to go from 20th to pass the team that was in first just three weeks ago so yeah it's been a tough tough role um i know some of um the fan base have been saddened by the play of harry kane uh, uninspired would be the word. And if that's going to happen, that's probably not great. Yeah, I mean, that seems accurate. That seems like an accurate term. I think you have to also consider, though, just a little bit, played in the Euros, you know, played all those games in the summertime, lots of travel, didn't get much, you know, then, then took a break to sort of heal up and recover because of the transfer conversation and the contract dispute and all those things he didn't really start training with the team until late he was kind of training off by himself according to instagram at least he was just kicking the ball around by himself in a park for some of that time even though we're a month into the season now could that have something to do with it i mean still just kind of getting back up to speed and that balance between all the miles on the odometer and then getting a break and now kind of or is it just really you think his his head is gone? I, I think so. Gone. I think um, you know what I think. Uh, I I really did think Alex because as we were heading even to the end of the transfer window, I still thought City was going to come in and do something. I know it normally doesn't happen that much during the January transfer windows. I could see it happening because City right now I think needs a striker. Well, based on their nil-nil against Southampton the other day, it would it would appear they're a funny team though. City, I mean, they they were winning five nothing, six two, like crushing teams, and then it just seems like that they uh, they they have those games though sometimes where they just can't seem to create because they don't have a target man or they don't have someone who's a go-to player, and they've also been struck by injuries as well. So we'll see what happens with them, but. I would, yeah, it wouldn't shock me either. We'll see what happens. And of course, what's their ambition, right? It's to win the Champions League. Champions League. And so, so I don't know if that team can win the Champions League. I don't know if that team can win the Premier League. I mean, to some degree, nor does it maybe want to, per se. It would maybe want to win the Champions League more the than the Premier League. Goal. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put them number one in the world, excuse me, in, in, the, in Europe right now. Would you? No, no. I, I picked Chelsea before the season to win the whole thing after the Blues got. They look good. I, 
they, they look really good. And that's, um, I think City, on their day, when everybody's healthy and firing, I mean, they'll certainly play with anybody in the world. But Bayern Munich is a better team right now, certainly. I think we've seen that. PSG is probably a more <laughs> unbalanced team, but is, is certainly has a lot of stars on that squad and could beat anybody on their day with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe as your front three. Whew. But again, there would be other teams, in, in, to your point, that I would pick ahead of them in the pecking order around Europe right now that are playing better and are just more equipped to go on a deep run in that tournament. We'll see what happens. Of course, long season, that doesn't wrap up till May. But you would think that that's where their chips are going to be pushed into. If they can get, if they're picking between a, playing a full squad on a league game on a Saturday or a Champions League game on a Tuesday, Wednesday, they'll probably take the Champions League. Yep. Has there been ever like a massive January transfer uh, at some point? No, normally it happens in the summer, right? That's normal. Yeah, the January transfers are typically the panic buys. Usually it's like a, a lot of those are kind of the mid-level. We'll splurge $25 million on somebody that would maybe be worth like eight or nine in, in the offseason. But because we need this person now, we'll, we'll pay hand over fist. The biggest one I can think of in recent seasons was actually a Liverpool transfer where Fernando Torres went from Liverpool to Chelsea. And that was an expensive move. And he was the best striker in the league at the time. And Chelsea paid a lot of money for him. And uh, that was a much maligned move on Merseyside, but then we used the money to buy Luis Suarez and that turned out okay. And, and Torres was not the same at Chelsea and didn't really ever come off there. So usually January transfer signings like that don't usually work, but they do provide a lot of fun images on newspapers of people in, people in cars being photographed as they drive away. That's usually the, the biggest outcome from the January window. So we got that to look forward so to. So glass half full. Okay, let, let me let me go to glass half full. Is if City revisits the whole Harry Kane thing again, and you were able to get a pretty good um, haul for him, however that goes, you would think at that point, then depending on how that goes, then the Spurs really could be all in on this conference thing because. <laughs> It, right now, you may not want to be per se with him, but if he's gone, and then you might as well be all in on something. And and if you're all in on that, you could at least break this trophy drought, so to speak. Even though it's a it's a it's a smaller trophy, but it, it it's a trophy nonetheless. And, it's a trophy. I mean, is that is that craziness? Is that crazy talk? Oh. Go win a trophy. No, I don't think so. I, I think you have to recalibrate your ambition. And I think for Spurs, if you're in something like that, you might as well try and win it, I suppose. I, we've, we've joked about it a lot. I mean, this is, this is the third tier club competition in Europe. Not great, you know, but, but, but still, it's something. And it gives your fans an opportunity to travel around the continent and go to some fun exotic places like Moldova and Belarus and other fun places like that that you wouldn't necessarily normally get to. So might as well. I mean, if you if you're going that direction, you know, I I still would probably prioritize the league because <laughs> you'd like to be in the better competitions the next season. But see how things go, I guess. And it's you know, it's it's you your, know, we'll get it figured out. Yeah, it's Europa Cup light, right? I mean, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say one of the pundits uh, that I heard uh, at one point when I wasn't um, out of it uh, said, eh. It is Europa Cup light, but you might as well win the first one. 
it is the inaugural. So that is that is some there's something always special about being the first. Yeah, so, don't so win the second it. one. Don't win the second. Nobody wants to win the second. Nobody remembers who wins the second. You remember who wins the first. Yes. So so but but I would say it will be interesting if City if City have um performances like if they go hot and cold cuz yeah, when they get rolling, they can register 3 4 5 goals. But they've also been shut out a couple times here early in the season. So that's kind of interesting how that'll play out. If they could get a you know financial haul, they could start figuring things out for next summer's transfer window, but to keep their eye, I, like, I, I'm just, I'm being realistic here. Just don't finish again to go play in this conference thing. <laughs> You're going to finish behind that. I think I, 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 at best case scenario, it's fifth or sixth. Fifth or sixth. That's best case scenario this year. They're just, the other four teams are, they're just better. I don't know what else to tell you. They're better. So that's not even a possibility. Then there's a line and then it's this West Ham who seems to be playing well and Leicester, I know lost, but you know, it's those types of teams, probably Arsenal and, and Tottenham and who else, you know, whoever else. Take the money bill. If you can get the money, take the money. I think take so. Right now. I think take so. It. And I think there's, I think there's a level of the fan base that as you see him play, um, you know, there was a time he didn't touch the ball. I forget what match it was, but I, I, it was Palace. It would he didn't touch the ball inside the eighteen, inside the box. Yeah, that's weird. I, that's that's weird. What's going on there? So, yeah, I would say, yeah, get rid, take the money, move on. So you're there not, you go. You're not you're not, going, you're not going anywhere with them right now. You might as well cash in. I would say that would be my advice if I was Daniel Levy. Let's not touch football this week. Uh, it, no. That was a hard watch. Um, it's very statue-like for Ben right now. You know, I, I, I you, my son's a Carolina Panther fan. I, I was a let's go get Sam Darnold guy. I was uh, because I, I figured it just was a confluence of things with the Jets, and I felt like, eh, kind of a tough, heavy next iteration, Ben Roethlisberger. I was a little sad that, that not a better effort was made uh, to go get a, a young quarterback. You can't, uh, the way he's playing in Carolina right now, I'm telling you, I, I, I think he's got a shot to be an okay quarterback in this league, far better than what the Steelers have right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what's going on there. Pittsburgh, though, again, beat Buffalo. Well, like you said, you don't want to talk about this, but you beat the Bills in week one. I mean that was a weird game led by your defense, and you kind of couldn't quite couldn't quite muster that same effort this past Sunday. The problem is, Roethlisberger is zero threat to run, hmm. like zero. That I mean I, I don't even know what less than zero is, but if it's less than zero, it's that. <laughs> and and then if, if he does decide to run, it takes him so long to get the. To get the, the, the momentum, the, yeah. yes, that that guys can just go over and trip him up. So, uh, so I, they have figured out how to defend him. So it's not it's not pretty, not pretty these days. Well, this week will be now the Raiders. Raiders two and zero beat the Ravens. You know, beat the Steelers. Raiders could be good. It, that's what's so hard early in the season. You don't really know who's good and who's not. If if you can beat the Bengals, if you lose to the Bengals this week at home, that would maybe be another bit of a red flag because then you go on the road to the Packers and then you get the Broncos, Seahawks, Browns. It's kind of a tough stretch. You really kind of need this one just to 
have a little something going into this difficult three-game run on the way. But either way, early in the season, I, I wouldn't panic just yet if I were you, but I'm, I'm sorry that things have not gone the way you wanted. So they are not a playoff team. Hmm. They're not a playoff team. No way. You heard it here first. Bill's guarding himself. It, this is just Bill. No, no, no. I, it, it, but you know what they are? Seven and ten. Yeah. And you know what that is? Terrible draft. Yeah. I mean that 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 you start getting into that cycle. Not a great cycle because you're right. Their defense is pretty good. I mean, if they're healthy like any other team, but they're pretty good defensively. And they, they, I guess they have, they have the youngest um, skill players in the league. And I think they're pretty good, actually. It's just can't get the ball to them. Yeah, offensive line is a concern. I feel like that's that's where the issues are coming in. Offensive line and quarterback play have just not been that great. And if you don't have those two things, it's real tough to win in the league. And that's what we've seen. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, let's see if the Red Sox can have a good week this week. Um, the two New York teams, I think, what, five games? I think, I think they... They had an off day yesterday, two days, two games today, off day, and then three. You really need to have at worst a three and two week, but four and one is really what you're staring at, right? That'd be really nice. You'd want to make sure, especially again, going up against one of the teams that's trying to chase you down. I think, again, like you said, win that series, maybe sweep the Mets. That'd be great. And then you're in pretty good shape going into the final week of the season. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Three and three and two wouldn't be the worst, but but we're looking for four and one, four and one, five and oh, you might be in pretty good shape. You'd be in really good shape. Amen. Now you're so. now you're setting your rotation. And I, I leave you with this. X said this, and I and I agree with them because they said, Who would you start? Evaldi or sale? And he said I'd pitch them both. In in, in a wild card game. In in the wild yeah. card game. Mm. Yep. Eckersley would know. I, I'd go with I, <laughs> I would go with the wisdom of Eck on that one. That's right. Yeah, awesome. Well, that'll be fun. Fun to watch those pennant races heat up a little bit over the next two weeks. And best of luck to our socks. And glad you're feeling better. And to bring it all back, keep feeling better, but keep Oof. checking that orange juice. And <laughs> let's go. <laughs> oh, well, good stuff. Well, big thanks to Bill as always for his leadership and guidance on this podcast that bears his name as we creep towards 100 episodes. Big thanks to Cassie Niles, our producer. Thanks to you for listening to another edition of the Bill Chips Podcast. Have a great week. We'll be in touch in a couple of weeks' time. Appreciate you, Alex.